Hey, we're back in Luke. We're back in Luke, all right? We, we were there for like 32 weeks. We took about five or six weeks off. We're back in Luke. There are so many people in this room who were either here for some of Luke or never been here for a part of Luke. Um, wanna, wanna throw a few things out, church, church family type things. First of all, you may notice that there was no offering plate passed by you. That's because we don't do that. You may drop your offering in any of these boxes on your way in, on your way out, or any time during the sermon. I promise you, if you walk down here in the message with your money for God and put it in, I ain't going to say nothing. I ain't going to say nothing. I'm not going to congratulate you. I'm not going to call you out, all right? We're just going to be like joy to the world, all right? You can do that anytime during our services, okay? Um, the next thing that I want you to know is we do have stuff for babies all the way to fifth grade, and we are not a babysitting service. That's not what we do. They, those kids hear Jesus, sing Jesus, pray Jesus, learn about Jesus at all ages, all right? So I want to make sure that that is incredibly clear. And the last thing is we like to walk through the Word here. So, so we may be in Luke another 32 weeks. We may be there another, you know, four. I don't know. But we're going to make our way through the Word. Now, let me catch you up. Luke was a doctor and a very intelligent man, a physician, all right? And his whole point in writing the gospel of Luke was that he was writing it to the Gentiles, not to the Jews, not to God's chosen people, but for, to the Gentiles, everybody who was a non-Jew. He was writing to all of the other nations that Jesus was talking about when he said, go ye therefore. He also wrote Acts. This is the man that wrote about the beginning of the church, about all of Paul's journeys. In fact, he journeyed with Paul, the kind of guy he was. He was the kind of guy that if somebody said, there was a time when Jesus walked on the water. Luke would buy a ticket, get on a train, get on a plane, get in an automobile. They ought to make a movie like that. And he would go there and he would put his foot in that water and he would taste that water and smell that water. He wanted to know where it happened, how it happened, if it was impossible or possible that it happened. He wanted to speak to people who saw it happen, all right? That's just the kind of guy he was. He was going to put nothing on paper as he's writing to this Roman government official. We don't know exactly what Theophilus did, but we knew he was in the government of Rome, the most powerful government of that day, and to begin to infiltrate the ideology of Rome and, and bring faith into the government of Rome would have been one of the greatest historical feats of all time. So he was going to have his ducks in a row. He was going to know what he said and when he said it. We know that he journeyed with Paul, the greatest missionary ever, and he's writing Luke to tell us about who Jesus was and, and give Proof to the best he could prove, all right? Remember, for it is by grace you are saved through faith. You are never going to get all the information. If God gave us all the information, it would require no faith. You have to have faith, all right? I mean, I'm not calling George Michael a great theologian, but he was correct. You gotta have faith, faith, faith. You're welcome, Johnny Ray. All right, I got the movie, I got the song, we're good to go. Now, let's jump back into Luke. This story is also in Mark. We know that Matthew, Mark, and Luke line up. Again, that's called synoptic. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels. And Matthew and Luke took a lot of their um, information from Mark, all right? Mark was first, and then the rest of them expanded or wrote for the Jews or wrote for the Gentiles, okay? And we are going to be in chapter 9, verse 37, but you need to remember or recall what happened right before this. And what happened right before this was one of the more bright, one of the more holy, one of the more 
awesome, one of the more non-traditional miracles in the scripture called the transfiguration, all right? Uh, Peter, James, and John, the inner three, go up the hill with Jesus, and Jesus is raised up, and he's shown bright like a light. Moses and Elijah show up. They immediately recognize them. They have this incredibly holy experience. One of the things that's not mentioned is, if three of the disciples are up on the mountain, what does that mean? How many disciples were there? Twelve, yes. So if three were on the mountain, what does that mean? Nine were not. We never talk about that. When we talk about Jesus returning, Peter, James, John, and Jesus are coming down off the mountain to find the situation that we find now. Let me also say that the disciples and the followers of Jesus who came to the lake, the followers who followed him around the lake, the people who heard the Sermon on the Mount, the people who saw the feeding of the 5,000, the people who were there when he raised the kid up at the funeral, the people who were there when he raised Jairus' daughter, all of these people had seen all of these miracles, healings, dead raised to life. They'd, they'd seen it. They'd experienced it. They'd been sent out to do it before today. You need to know all that before I read from Luke chapter 9, verse 37 and following. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him. He suddenly screams, throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and it is destroying him. I beg your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. This one's rough right here. You unbelieving and perverse generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him on the ground in convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. Now, I want to walk back through here. Preston, I need you to do me a favor. Let's put verses 43, 44, and 45 in there because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to proceed on through them, all right? Here's the situation. He comes down off the mountain to find a crowd of people waiting for him because they weren't allowed to be at, at, at the transfiguration, so to speak. By reading the text, it is evident to us that he had already come to the other nine disciples and they had made um, attempts to heal the boy. Now, I'm kind of a fan of Harry Potter, so all I can think of in this situation is when Harry is in, is in the, the movie and he becomes the, the, the leader of Dumbledore's army and he's trying to teach all the other students how to do some things and especially Neville's going, Expelliarmus, 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 and he can't wave his arm right and nothing happens. I imagine, I imagine these disciples down on the bottom of the mountain going, Come! Out! Go! <laughs> Abracadabra! <laughs> you know? 
Did y'all ever think about that? That's why I set this up first. But, but listen to me. But they, here's, here's the key. They had done it before. Why not now? Church, I wonder, have you ever just felt spiritually, mm, just, have you ever just felt like you could, you could tell anybody about Jesus? Like it was raring up in you, you could just walk up and say, man, I just want you to know God loves you. Have you ever come back from a camp or a revival or just had a really good Sunday morning and you just, you're, you're at McDonald's, you're at the Walmart and you're like, I just, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I just, you, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to do something. You just, I mean, sometimes I just feel so good. I'm walking through, I'll be whistling or something. People will pass me by and they'll be like, you happy? Strangers, he happy. I'm like, why not? Ain't nothing special happening. I'm buying bacon. Oh, that's special. Now that I think about it, that's pretty special. All right. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt so good? Let me ask you a question. Has there ever been a week or two weeks or three weeks or six months later where you just didn't feel any of it? <clears throat> this applies to us. Okay. Why do we get that way? Okay. Why do we get that way? I'm going to have to restart it, right, to get it to be able to see it? Yeah. Yeah, give me 43, 44. 50. And they were amazed at the greatness of God. 44. Listen carefully to what I am about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. Stop for a second. Later in Luke... I bring the story up all the time because it's so applicable. There are two guys walking from the road, and it says they were kept from recognizing him. It was hidden from them, so they did not grasp. They did not understand. They did not comprehend. And here's the awkward. And they were afraid to ask him about it. Has something ever been so strange? I mean, basically, Jesus just says, I'm going to die. Now, do you want to walk up to somebody and be like, can you explain what you meant about that? You want to tell me a little bit about how it is you're going to die? That's just weird. And the disciples are all nudging each other going, do you know what he means? No. Do you know what he means? No. Well, you ask him. No, you ask him. No, you ask him. And I know this was awkward because there was nothing Peter wouldn't say. There was nothing Peter wouldn't do. Peter be jumping out of boats and cutting people's ears off just because. And Peter didn't ask. It's awkward. Okay. There's a kink. There's a disconnect. There's a spiritual blindness going on here. Now, I'd like to jump back real quick to verse 43, uh, Preston, because there's a word here. They were all amazed at the greatness of God. In the NIV, that's not translated like it ought to be, all right? There are two words that it's translated as, and I want you to know that it's the only time, that word greatness, the, the, the Greek word, it's the only time this word is used in the Gospels. It's not used, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, except right here, and it's translated majesty. And it's only one more place in the New Testament. Here's what it says. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. It's also translated magnificence. They couldn't come up with it. greatness, didn't cut it. Awesome 
wasn't good enough. They were blown away by his magnificence. In the, in, in, in the use a word that is, that is royal, that is kingly. Uh, we were amazed by his majesty. I remember a song from the hymnal, majesty, worship his majesty unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. There was something about what happened in this moment that caused the disciples of the disciples to go, this is a story I'm going to talk about down the road. Whatever Jesus did here was so far beyond what I am capable of doing that it blows my mind. Here's the thing. That ticks Jesus off. That ticks Jesus off. Do you understand why? Because he didn't give you part of him. There is nothing biblical about any kind of belief system that says that God is sometimes with you. God is with you when you whistle, when you're going to get bacon. God is with you in Gatlinburg at the marriage retreat or at the edge. He only brings himself into the mountainous regions. He's only there when you feel like it. He's only there part-time. He's only there a quarter of the way. There, is, there are things that are physically impossible for you to do through him because that's exactly what the Bible says. I can do some things through him who gives me partial strength. It ticks him off. How do I know that it ticks him off? What is up with you people? I'm getting tired of hanging out. It's not very nice, is it? How long shall I put up with you? What was he putting up with? Compromise. Halfway. Partial faith. And it resonates all the way to the revelation. I am about to spit whom out of my mouth? The lukewarm, the part-time, the halfway. What was it about this demon that Jesus had to be cast out? Nothing. This had nothing to do with the power of the demon. It had nothing to do with the power of God. It had everything to do with the access of the disciple. The faith of the disciple. The belief of the disciple. Craig, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Your prayers? His prayers? Our prayers? Do you believe that He loves you? Do you believe that He wants to, to, uh, plans to prosper you and not harm you? Do you believe that whatsoever you ask in my name, ask and your joy will be made complete? Or do you pray because? I think this guys, these guys were going through the motions. Hey, this worked over there. Hey, this worked back there. Hey, this worked last Tuesday. Let's do this again today. This is not about what God used to do in you. Woo, I love this. this it's not about what God used to do in you. It's about what God wants to do in you now. Now, it's about what God wants to do in you now. What does God want to do through you today? And do you believe that he can? Do you believe that he can save? No, not you. Do you believe that he can save your friends? 
Do you believe that he can save your marriage? Do you believe that he can sell a cow? Some of y'all don't know what I mean by that. But we have a joke in the office right now, and it says, God, we need God to sell a few cows. He's got a cattle on a thousand hills. He ain't hurting for money, but we could use some. Do you need God to sell a few cows? Do you know what God did this week? He didn't sell a cow. He sold a Volkswagen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Do I miss that little six-speed cutie? I do. Am I really happy for the blessing of selling it? I am. And so is American Express. <laughs> right? How God does it is not relevant. It's not. Whether or not you believe he can do it is fully relevant. Let me walk you through it rather simply. Let's look at man's desolation. Hey, thank you. Man's desolation, all right? Listen to the Father. Teacher, I beg you. Teacher, I beg you. Look at my son. He didn't say touch my son. He didn't say heal my son. He simply said, look at my son. In Mark, it is Jesus actually talks about the faith of this man. If you will just speak it. Same with the centurion. He believes so. You don't have to touch him. You don't even need to be there. Just, just, just you. God, what if we had that kind of faith? Just you. Where two or more are gathered, there will I be also. Will you walk away as if you've been in the presence of the God of all creation today? Or are you in church because it's 11 on a Sunday? There's the difference. Were they disciples because they believed in all God was doing? Or were they disciples because they were following him because today was the next day to follow? Don't do that. Praise God for what he did in you yesterday. Ask him what he wants to do in you today. And realize that apart from him you can do this is man's desolation. The reality that apart from him, we can do nothing. Next, Satan's destruction. When our tanks start to go down to three quarter and a half, when our finances get a little bit unsteady, when a, a family member passes away, when a job doesn't come through, when a test score doesn't go, when you ask the girl and she says no, when your heart begins to break and your emotional tank, which, listen, most Christians base where their faith is on how they, come on church, what? Feel. Music can make you feel. Sin can make you feel. And Satan, what does the Bible say? He lurks. He comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't have anything holy in mind. Let, let's, let's say that phrase again. Satan has nothing holy holy in mind. There is nothing Satan will do that is good for you. There is nothing Satan will do that will turn out well for you. There's nothing that Satan can do that is for your good. Everything is opposite of Scripture. So with Satan, all things work together for the bad of those he hates. And he doesn't call because he doesn't care. 
This guy, that was a pretty good. That was just a backwards quote, right? Everything is that way. Man's desolation opens the door for Satan's destruction. He threw the boy down. He was tearing him apart limb from limb. He was tearing away at the heart of the father. This was tearing away at the faith of the disciples. Sin is a cancer and Satan knows it. If he can just drop one in, it might reach here. If it reaches there, it might reach there. All right, and we can play all of this out. If I wanted to use uh, Mark and Christy, maybe, maybe Mark has a bad day and then maybe he snaps at Christy. Maybe Christy has a bad day and then Zoe comes home and they snap at Zoe and she goes back to Asbury and she snaps at a friend and they snap at one another and then they do it in a classroom where the teacher is a, come on. And Satan just sits back and goes, man, that was so easy. <laughs> Man's desolation, our emotional, our physical, our tanks begin to be emptied. But we have to realize that that will always be the case. We are a sinful and depraved generation. Man's desolation, Satan's destruction. But then there is God's deliverance. There is God's deliverance. We don't have to be who we've always been. We don't have to live in the depths. What is it that David said? Uh, you pulled me from the miry depths. I felt like I was in quicksand and you reached down and you yanked me out and you didn't do it till it was your time because he wasn't in the thunder. He wasn't in the lightning. He was in the gentle breeze. He was in the still small voice. He was in the whisper. And David cried out, why in the world? And God said, been here all along, just waiting for you to cry out. You've been looking here, 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 here. No. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. There is a Savior. And he wants to take you from where you are, not to where you want to be, but to where he wants you to be. But then all of the disciples had seen the miracles, yet it didn't work. They'd experienced Christ, yet they didn't buy in. They had hope that it would work, yet they couldn't pull it off. Why? Because this thing is not a one and done. It is not Kentucky basketball. It comes down to our desire. It comes down to our desire, man's desolation, Satan's destruction, God's deliverance, and our desire. You unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay and put up with you? Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him down. Jesus rebuked his impure spirit, heard the boy, and gave him back to his father. Listen, and that is what he expects of us. The question he's saying is not about whether or not he was going to go or not, whether or not he was going to die or not, or whether they could or not. The question is about the faith of the individual. This all comes back to when I do leave you. Are you going to half-butt this thing, or are you all in? You said it's close, wasn't it? Are you lukewarm, or are you hot? Because you're going to be going along your day and you could take care of it. How do I know you could take care of it? I could do all things. 
How do you know it? You can take care of it. I, my plans are to prosper for you. How do I know you can take care of it? Because greater is he that is in me. But we live our lives as, as if it's greater is me that is in me. I can handle it. I'll make a little more money. I'll drink a little more alcohol. I'll have a little more sex. I'll do a little more work. Whatever it is that you think you can do. And God's saying, that's not what I did. I gave you me, for I did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. I didn't send fire. I sent my Holy Spirit. I sent me to deliver you and to make you and to create in you and to give you power and to give you authority. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to you. So go, not timidly, not tiptoeingly, not if you have time, just go and you will see greater things. What? You will do greater things than even I have done. That is the promise. It is fact. Fact, based on this one thing. Lean in. Do you buy it? Do you really believe everything that I just said? Casting out that next demon? as simple as that. Are you all in? Man's desolation. We broke and we broke in. Satan's destruction. He lurks and he's powerful. God's deliverance. He's bigger and he loves you. Our desire. How far in are you willing to go? What is it, the matrix? Are you red pill or blue pill? All the way down the rabbit hole. God's looking for disciples who are all in. And then we won't have to worry about him coming in for backup going. <sighs> you want to hear a piece of great news? He will, though. He'll be there. Just turn around and look. Let's pray. God, we're going to make mistakes and you knew it. You already had a plan. <laughs> you already had a plan to chase us down before you made us. You already had a plan to chase us down before you made us. My prayer this morning for all who have ears is that we might find our sole desire to be used. There's an old song that says, an empty vessel longing to be filled by you. My sole desire is to serve you more, to do your perfect will, to work each day and fill your kingdom. This is my sole desire. I pray this over every member who is here and over every member who is missing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.